Happy Mother's Day. And you know, through the years, I've realized more and more that Mother's Day can be really one of the hardest days of the year for so many people because they are not mothers. They've suffered with infertility or their mothers aren't here or they've lost a child. So to you, I just want to be able to say that even in the midst of that, even in the chaos that we have been talking about, uh, there's Jesus and he's there and he cares exactly what we're going through. And for no matter what it is, whatever we're going through, to just know that Jesus cares. And Jesus blesses us a lot too, doesn't he? You know, one of the greatest blessings in my life, I've always said that our reward for having teenagers is grandchildren. And one of the greatest joys in my life has been my grandchildren. My son and his wife have five children. They're like stair steps, you know, about two years apart. When they were young, my husband John and I had the privilege of being able to be caregivers while they got away for a few days. When we were there, Pam has everything down to her routine, and I just knew that I did not have the ability to take care of five children the way she did, and what if they didn't listen to me? So I developed this little game that we would play so that I would know that they heard me. So I told them, I said, okay, when Mimi says something to you, I want you to listen very carefully, and then I want you to take both your fists and go, I got it so that I will know that you have heard what I said. And they were so good to be able to do that as we went through the day to say that. Well, one night, I said, okay, if you'll go get your toys picked up, when you get back, there'll be some really wonderful double chocolate brownies. Well, you should have seen them scurrying to be able to go pick up those toys and get ready for bed. After we had had the brownies, his youngest daughter, Madison, came running in and she said, oh, Mimi, I got it. Hand pump, whole action. And I said, what have you got, honey? She said, I've got it. That when you say something and we listen and we do it, that's when we get the really good stuff. <laughs> well, after I got them into bed that night, I sat down and pondered that and just got the greatest joy out of it. And then... In the recesses of my mind and my heart, I could hear my Heavenly Father saying to me, Now, Sheila, do you get this? That when you listen to me and what I say do, and you do it, that's when you get the really good stuff. The peace, the joy, the power, and the hope. And we're in this series on um, Families Matter. And the bottom line to that that Pastor Sid has used is hope in the chaos. And that's what I want us to be able to think about for a few minutes this morning is hope in the chaos. You know, Jesus didn't pull any punches when he said, in this world you will have trouble. But he also gave us the solution, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And chaos can serve its purpose when it drives us to our knees and not just in desperation, but in adoration, um, and be able to go to, to Jesus to be able to not just get relief, but to get to know him better. Jesus also says, I am the way, the access, the truth, the reality, and the life. Everything about your life is wrapped up in me. And I've come to realize more and more through the years that chaos is here to stay, but it does not have to control us. 
One of the stories of God's word that I have come to love dearly uh, because I think it gives us a real good picture of how we have to push beyond the chaos. And it's found in Mark 5, and I'm going to begin with verse 22. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And seeing him, Jesus, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. I think about this like the crowd that was in Atlanta for the Olympics, and we were moving along. You didn't have to walk. The crowd was so dense that it literally just carried you wherever it was going. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she had been healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed in your diseases. You know, this is a picture that helps us to be able to see chaos in the life of people. And each one of us has some type of chaos in our life today. And the chaos of this pandemic has turned all of our worlds upside down. But Jesus was there that day. And Jairus, who was a well-known religious leader, his daughter was ill, and he came to ask Jesus to come and heal her. Now, the crowd would probably have moved to be able to let Jairus through because they would have known who he was and his position. And it says, And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored, implored him earnestly. Even though he had position, he still humbled himself before the master. My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And Jesus responded to the faith that Jairus had. He was going to go immediately with Jairus. But in that same crowd, in this intense crowd that day, there was a certain woman. And she was desperately pushing through the crowd. The crowd would not have moved to let her through. The scripture doesn't tell us much about this lady. It does tell us that she had a horrible bleeding issue for 12 years, that she had spent all of her money on doctors, and we can accurately assume that she was a cultural outcast, that she suffered profoundly, 
and that she had a hopeless outlook on life. And as a Jewish girl, her condition would have made it where she had no intimacy because her husband would not have touched her. There would have been no possibility of children. And in that culture, that would have been a disgrace. There would have been no social relationships because she could not have had people into her home and served them food. And there would have been no spiritual fellowship because they would have not let her into the temple. The crowd may have made way for Jairus, but not Our Lady. And yet, that did not stop her. Our nameless lady pressed persistently through the chaos of that crowd, intentionally seeking a man. And that was not just any man. That was Jesus. She had heard of his power to heal. She had heard of him being able to perform miracles and to change lives. And she came because in the kindling of her soul, she truly believed if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Can't you just see our nameless lady crouching down very low into the crowd? First of all, she didn't want anybody to recognize her because she would not have been wanted in that crowd because she was unclean. And remember, she thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, so that meant that she would have had to get very low to reach in between and just touch the hem of the garment. It would have been very dangerous for her because she could have been trampled upon, but that did not stop her. She still pushed through the chaos. And when she got near enough to him, she reached out with trembling hands and touched his garment and with faith believed that she would be healed. And immediately, instantly, right now, she felt in her body that she had been healed. What a powerful realization that is when we come to Jesus and we realize that he has instantly, when we have asked and reached for him, touched us and met our needs. She was a new woman. But there's more. Jesus asked the question in verse 30, who touched my garment? He had not only stopped going with a powerful man for this nameless lady, but he went looking for her. Because I believe he did not want her to just see his back. He wanted to see her face to face. Hers was an intentional, desperate touch. And that's the reason it was different than all of those that were crowded around him. Because his disciples even said, how in the world do you know that someone touched you? Everybody's touching you. But she was different. Um, she had gone back in the crowd, and we don't know why. Maybe she had just come seeking him to take care of her issues, and she thought that she did not need any more. And sadly, many of us look at it that way also. But Jesus passionately and persistently sought her out. It says in verse 32, And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. And I believe there was fear there, but I also believe that fear was in awe of being in the presence of Jesus. She too, like Jairus, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And that whole truth was her story. 
And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, I get chill bumps when I read this interaction with Jesus. As she is there with him, not looking at his back, but being able to look up into his face, to see his love and to feel his tenderness and to personally hear the loving words of assurance that he had given her. And then when he said, daughter, I can just hear that word tenderly coming off of his lips because nowhere else in the scriptures is it recorded that, any, that Jesus called anyone daughter. Now, in another version of this, uh, it said that she was made whole. And you have to stop and think that in her whole adult life, she had been an outcast. She had been in isolation. But her faith had brought her to a relationship with Jesus, and she got more than she expected because he told her to go in peace. And isn't that what we're all looking for in the midst of the chaos is the peace? We need peace with God, which means that we have accepted him and he has forgiven us of our sins. But then there is the peace of God that dwells in our heart through Christ Jesus. And that kind of peace gives us a tranquility of knowing that even in the midst of the chaos, that God is in control. That is the hope that we're looking for in the chaos. Jesus told her to be whole, and that meant to continually continue walking in this new faith that she had. And our new lady had a brand new identity. Now this woman, I believe, paints a very clear picture of every person who does not know Jesus Christ as their savior. Many people spend their whole life searching for meaning and help for the issues that they have in life. But instead of getting better, they continually try to do it on their own. But even with all the efforts they make of self-improvement and even religion, it does not heal their condition. It requires a faith of intentionally pushing through the chaos to get to Jesus. Now, we all have our own story, and that's one of the reasons I love this story, because she was nameless, so we can all put our own name in there. And for the first 20 years of my life, I felt like that I was living a life of chaos. And if someone had asked me if I was a Christian, I would have told them yes. But it was church-based. I was in church every time the doors were open. I was involved in the youth group. I memorized scriptures and probably knew more then than I actually can quote today. But it wasn't until I was 20 years old and I came to a time that I call my year of reckoning that I realized that I did not have anything that I could do for the chaos in my life. In February of that year, my grandfather died. He was the only father I had ever known. Two months later, my mother passed away at the young age of 47, and I did not feel that I could stand to lose anyone else. But I soon found that I could. Two months later, my husband and I had a parting of the way. I was left alone, a single parent, 
with a small child. And I was afraid. And I was scared. And I desperately needed someone that I could depend upon. My mother had lived in a time where divorce was a stigma. It was not the norm the way it is today. And so instead of acknowledging being a divorcee, she told people that she was widowed and had always told us that our father was dead. But after mother being gone and not having anyone, I desperately began to search for a father that I did not know, had never seen, and did not know if he was dead or alive. That tells you how much we will search in desperation for anything to give us relief, even though it cannot help. It was after many dead ends, I found myself in a state of total despair. And I received a letter from a very dear cousin, and she said, Sheila, God loves you, and I'm praying for you, and I only wish that I could give you the faith that I have in God to carry you through. But you know, she could not do that. I had to have that faith for myself. But those words from her did take me back to God's word again. And as I picked up the Bible, I opened it up to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It was at that time that I realized I had sought God's help all my life, but I had never sought God himself. I knelt down beside the bed that night, and I prayed as I had never prayed before. I confessed my sins. I asked. God to forgive me of those sins. I asked Jesus to take control of my life. And I even prayed that if it was his will for John and I to get back together again, that he would help me to live the right way until that time came. Now, nothing really changed. There was no lights or anything like that. But I went to bed and I slept that night as I had not slept in a long time. And the next morning when I got up, I realized that there was no longer a raging storm within me. It had subsided, and I was at peace, and that peace told me that God was in control. I had frantically searched for a father that I could depend upon, and now I'd found him, my heavenly father. And all along, he was only one prayer away. Now, like the woman that pushed the through the chaos to get to Jesus. I pushed through to get to know him. I studied his word. He began working in me, changing me into that person that he needed me to be. And I read one day about, with God, all things are possible. I now say that I've lived an impossible life because there's so many impossible things as I look back through the rearview mirror. And one of those was that after two and a half years without ever being divorced, John called and asked if we could reconcile. I was in a hospital bed in Jacksonville, Florida. He was in Michigan, and I told him absolutely no, I could not go through that again. But the next morning, he had driven through to be there with me, and I still said no. He left the hospital room, and I started arguing out loud with God. The woman in the bed next to me thought I need to be in the psych unit because I'm there saying, but God, I cannot do this. We will fail. 
and in the quietness of the voice within that I have come to know to be my Savior. He said, yes, you will fail, but I will not fail. And it is with great joy that I can say after 58 years, John and I have failed a lot, but God has never failed. And yes, I was a child bright, in case you wanted to know. <laughs> now, our nameless lady, what did she do? She went out into the crowd, right? Well, we can do that too, even though we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We can let the chaos of this world and everything that's going on, we can push back into that and stop depending upon the Father, just doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But we're not going to get anywhere because we still need him. I came to a time and point in my life that it was that way. I call it my crisis of purpose. I found myself coming out of work one day after they had called and asked me what was for dinner. I didn't care what was for dinner. I just wanted to get in my car and run. I found myself what ends behind all of the chaos in my life. Now, my life was not bad then. I had a wonderful husband. I had two precious children and a hyperactive poodle named Peppy that kept me always full of joy. And I was president and CEO of one of America's fastest growing small businesses. But still, there was a raging storm within me. I turned on the radio and this voice on the radio said, there are some of you here that are full of discouragement, disillusionment, and are depressed. And I thought, that's me that he's talking about. And then I heard him say, there are those of you who are mothers who are distraught, and there are spouses who are disillusioned, and business people who are discouraged. And I said, who does he think he is to delve into my innermost feelings? But that question that he asked sent me on a search through God's word because that's the only place to get answers. And as I went through the Bible, I set my eyes on Jesus and how in the world he saw purpose and meaning behind the chaos. And I found it all over the place. If you looked in the margins of my Bible, then you would see where it had purpose, 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 purpose. Because I even came with, with the ABCs of purposeful living because there's that many of the way that purpose applied and Jesus saw it behind the chaos of his life. So once I stopped and saw why my life was reeling, I realized it was because I was not living out of a passion of purpose that God wanted me to do. And again, it kept me in the scripture. And I went to the scripture in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. I'm going to read that to you in the message version. I study out of the other versions, but I love to read the message when sometimes I just want to hear it a little bit differently. And it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Can any of you relate to that? Isn't that the chaos? Come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. So many of us are feeling like we need to recover our lives. I'll show you how to take a rest, a real rest. How? Walk with me and work with me 
Watch how I do it. Learn, learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And oh, what a journey the last 20 plus plus years. As I have learned from Jesus and God's word and learned how to walk in that unforced rhythm of grace even in the midst of the chaos. Isn't that what being a Christian should be about? Intentionally walking with Jesus and his grace in the chaos. As I went through the scriptures, the Holy Spirit started revealing to me the reality of purpose in my life, and I wrote a purpose statement. And it said, to, my created purpose is to love God with all of my heart and through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to intentionally seek to become more like Jesus Christ and intentionally seek to make the master more meaningful to those in my sphere of influence, all for the glory of God and to have joy in the process. And as I progressively continued to go through that, I started learning from God's word the process of the unforced rhythm of grace. Now, I kind of pictured this the way I do the story of the little girl that was running around a racetrack one day, and people could see her lips moving. So when the race was over, they said to her, what were you saying? And she said, oh, I wasn't talking. I was praying. And they said, well, what were you praying? And she said, I was praying. Lord, you pick them up, and I'll put them down. Lord, you pick them up, and I'll put them down. Now, isn't that what God wants us to do? You know, Jesus says that my father is always working and I'm working too. God works. It says that he works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And Jesus said, I can do nothing myself. I can only see what I have seen my father doing. But we have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to respond in obedience to what God's word says. The chaos is going to happen, but when it does, as long as we listen to what God's word has to say and we respond in obedience, the Lord will take us through. When fear paralyzes you, God's word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And when we respond in obedience, we've taken one more step closer to becoming more like Jesus. When we get into um, a conflict and we listen to God's word say, be angry and sin not, and we respond the way that we should sin, we've just taken another step of obedience. A step in our spiritual life is an acrostic I used. Spiritual truth expressed practically. That's how we walk in the unforced rhythm of grace. I call them many steps. M-I-N-I, moving in natural increments towards a more Christ-centered life. Now, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey today, but I want you to know that no matter where you are, that God's delighted in you. But he loves you too much to leave you there. 
I believe that he's calling many of us back from the crowd. He doesn't just want us looking at him backwards, but he wants to see us face to face. He wants to hear our whole story. But that doesn't just happen. We have to intentionally spend time with God. And I have another grandchild story to tell that goes along with that because I think it gives us a really good picture. My son's oldest daughter, Sarah, and all of the family were coming from Chicago to see us. We lived in Michigan at the time. I came home from work, and like any good grandparent that's going to have five kids, I worked really hard to get my house clean. And then I sat down in my lazy board chair, and I fell asleep. And all of a sudden, I was woke up to the sound of the door flying open and the pitter-patter of little feet coming running through the house saying, it's me, it's me, Mimi, it's me, it's Sarah, I'm here, I'm here. And before I could even stop, she had jumped up in my lap and started talking a mile a minute. Now, I know that they played the quiet game all the way from Chicago because she just continued to talk. And she told me, she said, well, Mimi, Brittany and I did have a disagreement, but we asked each other to forgive us. And Dad said it was okay. And John John, well, he got a little scratch, but we prayed over it, and it's fine now. And then Mom and Dad, oops, I'm not supposed to tell you that. And oh, by the way, Mimi, the moon is the same in Chicago as it is in Michigan. Because I'd always told them, when you feel lonely, you can look up and see the moon and know that I'm seeing the same moon. After a while of talking, she stopped. She looked at me. She put her little hands up on my face and she said, oh, Mimi, I love you so much. And then she did something she never does. She put her little head down on my shoulder and just sat there. She didn't care that her siblings were wanting to climb up in my lap. She was not going to be distracted by that chaos. And then after just a little while, she looked up at me and said, Oh, Mimi, I can hear your heartbeat. And then she jumped up. Well, I did what any good grandmother does. I decided at midnight they needed a snack, and their dad was a very good father and told me it was time for them to go to bed. And they asked if I would say their prayers with them. So as we sat down to pray on the bed, Sarah climbed over right next to me, and she got up really close, and she put her head down on my shoulder again, and we prayed. And by the time you have all these kids pray, you've been there a little while. And when we finished, she looked up with these great big eyes, and she said, oh, Mimi, I can hear your heartbeat, and it's the same as mine. I can hear your heartbeat, and it's the same as mine. Because she had been still long enough that she could hear the synchronized beats of our heart. Well, I walked out the door with a full heart and bumped into my son. And I said, oh, son, thank you to you and Pam. If it weren't for you two, I would not have these precious grandchildren. As I walked down the stairs, I realized that this little unction that I had inside was my heavenly father calling me to come and be a part with him. As I sat in the living room with the lights out, I could hear him, not audibly, but in the recesses of my heart and my mind saying, Sheila, this is what that unforced rhythm of grace looks like. I want you to live your life 
and I want you come running to me. I want you to tell me everything because I care. I want you to climb up in my lap and spend time with me. And I want us to do this every day. And then as I sat there, he said, and I want you to sit there long enough and put your head on my shoulder that you can hear my heartbeat and stay there long enough that you can hear that your heartbeat is the same as mine. And then you will experience that unforced rhythm of grace. Just think of all the hope that we can experience if we will just sit with the master long enough to hear his heartbeat. You know, what if in everything we do, we took the time to say, I want to live more as an expression of your life? What if when we recognized a temptation coming our way, we prayed that I might know you better and be an expression of your life? When we have great blessings coming our way before we do anything, what if we prayed that I might know you better and be an expression of your life? What a difference it would make in the world and the impact that we could make in this world. Because life, real life, in Jesus Christ is intentionally living a life shaped by God's life in us, with God working and us responding in obedience so that the world can see that we're becoming more like Jesus Christ and that we're making him more meaningful to them for his glory, and he wants us to have joy in the process. Now, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey today, but this I do know, that no matter where you are, God's delighted in you, but he, leaves you, he loves you too much to leave you there. And I believe that just like that this story depicts the life of a person who does not believe in Jesus and needs to push through the chaos to get to him, it also depicts those of us who need to come out of the crowd. So if you've never dealt with the issue in your life, that sin issue, where you need to come to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness, confess your sins, knowing that you believe in him, that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and arose the third day, and is now sitting on the right-hand side of God interceding for you, will you push through the crowd of all those thoughts of why not to come and get to the feet of Jesus. And if you're one of the ones who, like I have done, have gone back into the crowd and you have become distracted, will you today come out of the crowd and come back to Jesus and look into his face and tell him your whole story? He wants to touch our lives today, no matter what that need is and make us whole again. Now last week, Brian ended the services with a song called Honestly. And I was sitting at home watching it on television, and I said, oh no, that sums up everything that you have running through my heart, Lord. So 
I ask Brian, will you sing it again as we end today's services? And as we do that, will you see yourself at the feet of Jesus? And will you ask him whatever it is you need to ask him as you push through the chaos in your life? Could I let go of all that you've given If it meant that it all would be yours Could I sit at your feet And forget about me And remember what I'm here for Honestly, I need to be broken Honestly, I need to fall down So go ahead and shake my foundations Cause honestly, I'm figuring out That of all that I have All that I need is you If I leave behind all that's familiar Can I do what has never been done If I believe in you like you believe in me Can you finish the work you've begun? Oh, honestly, I need to be broken Honestly, I need to fall down So go ahead and shake my foundation Honestly, I'm figuring out that of all that I have, all that I need is you. Honestly,
best of all that I have and all that I need, Lord, of all that I have, all that I need is you. Honestly, family, would you pray with me? Father, I pray that as we are all in one way or another in the midst of chaos, God, that we would hear your heartbeat and that our heartbeat would line with yours. God, so many times I think we we try to force your heartbeat to be in line with ours. And God, that's not, that's not what surrender looks like. So God, I pray that we would be surrendered to what you want. Lord, that as you press in, as the Holy Spirit presses in on things that maybe just, they need to change. Or maybe things that we've been focusing on that we shouldn't be. God, that we would just be in line with you. God, I pray that as we leave here today, God, that you would be honored, magnified, glorified in how we live and the influence that we have. God, that you would send people our way, that we would have the opportunity to point them your way and see you move in a mighty way. Lord, we love you. Be with us now as we leave. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people say, amen. You guys have a great week this week. We love you.